Welcome everyone to the C-Suite Marketing Perspectives podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we have on John Golden from Pipeliner, the current CMO of Pipeliner. Now, John, you're not only a CMO, you've been, you're a chief strategy officer of the company as well. You've been a CEO, you've overseen sales and marketing. So you have a very unique perspective in terms of kind of sitting at all the most important chairs at the table, right? around uh, how you make a go-to-market strategy and create revenue for a company. So maybe tell us a little bit more beyond that about you, Pat. Yeah, listen, first of all, thanks, Steve, for having me on. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, as some might say. (laughs) But I I have, no, I have have a background including, uh, you know, product development, product marketing, as well as as being being at a startup where I was sales and marketing, and I was, I wasn't even running sales and marketing. I literally was sales and marketing with uh, with the computer and uh, four four walls staring back at me. That's always an interesting experience. And then, obviously, as you said, uh, the CEO of a couple of B two B companies, and uh, and I have authored a couple of books on sales. Uh, one on social selling. One on sales using military analogies, winning the battle for sales. And uh, and now I obviously have the Sales Pop podcast, which I've been doing for the last, uh, I think, four years or so. We're well over. I think we're at 1,200 episodes at this stage. Uh, it doesn't focus exclusively on sales. We have marketing, we have business, uh, you know, business motivation, leadership. We even get into things like mental health in the workplace. Uh, and as my current role, as you said, it's uh, both chief marketing officer and chief strategy officer. So I work very closely with Pipeliner's founder and and the the, the visionary behind the uh, the product Nicholas Kimla, who started this in Vienna Austria came over to the states, and I joined him. Uh, he he reached out to me. I joined him about ten years ago after doing a short consulting gig with him. He asked me to come on board and help with strategy, and then I took over the marketing. So it's it's a nice combination because if if marketing isn't aligned to the strategy of the company, then it's all my fault. <laughs> It's all on your shoulders. That's right. (laughs) Well, you know, one of the things that that really stood out when we first talked was that you just had a perspective that there needed to be a rather large expansion of the perception of what what it takes to create growth in the company. And if you could maybe just start out with that and tell us a little bit about what this expansion of our perception should be. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think one of the things is that uh, today's organization, if you're going to be successful, it needs to be far more of a fluid matrix organization where we're not so hung up on demarcation and role definition as such, right? Uh, I think that's a big issue that uh, that needs that needs to be overcome because at the end of the day, obviously, as you know better than most people, the customer is king, right? And the customer decides, um, you know, the customer, the ultimate arbiter of, of any of the value you create. But we live in a world of this whole idea of customer experience and how the customer interacts with you. And that needs to be a, a seamless experience. And oftentimes, uh, the tip of the spear is sales. Uh, it's not it's not so much marketing, it's sales, because that's normally the point of direct interaction between a company and the marketplace is through salespeople. And therefore, uh, 
everything in the company should be looking at how do we enable these salespeople to service the customer, the prospect as 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 well as they can. And that means that you have to start looking like marketing, for instance, you have to start looking at the fact that you think the customer is your customer. Well, yeah, it is to a degree. But in reality, sales is your customer because sales is that tip of the spear and that's what you need to be sharpening and that's where you need to be aligned and that's what you need to be supporting. And I'm not always sure that folks in marketing understand that. And that's where I think sometimes the disconnect comes in because in marketing, sometimes we get carried away with all, we get these new fancy terms and ABM and inbound, all this kind of stuff. And we're and and so we then start to sort of look at them almost in isolation as opposed to like, how do these work in conjunction with our salespeople? How do we equip our salespeople to be able to to leverage leverage the power of, of these different kind of strategies or initiatives? So sometimes, oftentimes, they're done slightly in isolation. And that's what leads to conflict in the organization. It also inhibits growth because... You may actually be, you may actually be uh, communicating different messages to the market depending on who you're interacting with, and that's never really a good thing, <laughs> you know, to get very different perspectives of the company just depending on who you happen to be interacting with, even if the interaction is a digital, is it a digital, digital or non-human one? So I think you know, that I, mean, I think that is really really key is understanding the sales is the tip of the spear, and. One of the things that, that I took away from, right, in, in kind of expanding our perceptions here is that the first consumer of our content is really the sales department, right? Yeah. And there, there's unfortunate stats that are, that are out there that over 60% of content that marketing creates, sales doesn't think is it has any value, right? Yeah. So, A, they're, they're not going to consume it, and certainly they're not going to use it. So the whole idea of alignment and enablement of sales as that tip of the spear, right? It comes down to really the content that we're creating that can be used in an ABM process. It can be used in, you know, all the ways that they need to reach out and create conversations and that we can create conversations earlier in the buyer's journey. So what is, what's your perspective on, you know, there's this notion of, that sales should be focusing, you know, on inbound leads as well as outbound. And, you know, if they're the tip of the spear and marketing is supposed to be helping them, what's your perspective on kind of like a healthy balance between, you know, marketing inbound leads and just like an, an SDR process, you know, uh, uh, you know, pick up the phone or get out there and create your own leads. Mm -hmm. and, and how does that balance create a, a healthy sales department? Yeah, I mean, and I think obviously a lot of this is is industry or product service dependent uh, or specific. Um, but I do think that it's it's a good conversation to have for your business because we have been through a period where inbound was seen as the kind of be all end all and the silver bullet, and and I think for a while it, it obviously had some outsized results, like with HubSpot and people like that. Though if you read the if you read a little bit behind it, you realize it wasn't quite as inboundy as it as it was on appeared on the surface. But that's an, that's for another time. Uh, and I think uh, and obviously post the financial services uh, 
the the meltdown in 2008 or whatever, when things started to rebound, we had another kind of boom market. Therefore, inbound was easy, and it and it always is in a in a boom market. You know, so then there was an over reliance, and potentially there was salespeople came into the industry during that period, so they've never had to they've never faced into a period like we are now, where there is maybe it's tighter, there is recession, inbound isn't quite as as easy as it was. So I think you need to you need to strike that healthy balance because uh, salespeople need to be doing outbound and calling and that so that they hone their skills. And part of it is honing your skills and making sure that you're identifying the correct target, you're having the right conversations. And that way you can actually then help inform marketing about the ideal target customer because that's the other thing is sometimes you may have a lot of inbound coming in but they're kind of a little all over the place and sales is going well this one's good but these four are rubbish you know it's not even the right person but how does marketing know that if you are not going to provide that feedback so it's a two it's a two-way street so i think by doing outbound and by honing your skills and by really focusing in on who is your correct target customer. And that may change over time because there may be different people involved in the buying process. Maybe at a time like at a time like this recessionary time, it's very typical for decisions to go further up the chain of command than they used to. Uh, and that that often happens. I remember that after the, 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 fin- the financial crisis, one of uh, when I was running Huthwaite, big, big multinational company based out of Japan shall remain nameless. Uh, but their managers at one time could sign up to like 250, 300,000, right? And then the word came down, anything over 10,000 needs to go to the executive management in Japan. And this is a massive worldwide company, $10,000, right? So now oh. you've got a whole new bunch of people involved in the buying process, right? So I think it's really important that sales is is doing that is doing that outbound so that they can hone their skills. They can also feed their own pipeline. They're not completely uh, reliant on marketing, and also that they can help marketing by feeding back so the marketing's uh, inbound efforts can be targeting the right content to the right people. Because we live in a very dynamic world, and this is and if you think you know who your customer is because you checked it last year, well, I would I would check it pretty fast if I were you. So I think a healthy balance. I mean, I think if you have like 70% inbound and you have 30% outbound, if that works for your business, it's probably good. Maybe some it's better to be more like 50-50. But I think the most important thing is that there is an alignment on who the real target customer is. Well, what I like about that is the typical CMOs that I talk to, they take it 100% on their response to define the ISP, right? Define exactly who that persona is, right? Therefore, we're going to take, you know, and create content specifically to solve their very unique needs in a very unique way. And what you're saying here is, no, there needs to be shared responsibility in defining that, right? And part of maybe the complacency that can happen in a sales department is, hey, I got somebody doing that for me, right? But if you take that role and responsibility on, then you're taking part of that responsibility for why maybe you're getting 60% content that you're not using. Yes. Because you're not helping, you know, that's true alignment where you're both coming together and saying, here's who we collectively think the ISP is, right? 
and why. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's uh, that's an expanded perception, you know, yeah. back kind of the title of what we're talking and, about. And by the way, I think only by doing that are, uh, will the two groups understand each other and, to, and be able to produce something worthwhile, you know, in partnership uh, until until you until you get that alignment and that agreement on who the target customers yeah i mean we've seen it in organizations where marketing has produced the the eyes uh, the ideal you know customer profile or target customer and they've done these lovely perso- you know made up personas and then sales ago i've no idea that looks like nothing like the people i talk to <laughs> and so there's there's a, one of the others wrong right <laughs> somebody's right. wrong here right right well I want to take a little bit of a right turn and um, I want to talk a little bit more about what you termed spin selling. Mm-hmm. And you uh, had an amazing story that I wanted you to share here that just literally talked about what I took away from that was how do you determine when the content that feeds the whole demand gen and sales process, how do you know how valuable it really is? And you've got a way of thinking about that. Right, right. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So when I ran Huthway, it was uh, spin selling was the, we, we did uh, consulting and uh, performance improvement based on the spin selling uh, IP, which had been developed by Neil Rackham, who wrote the spin selling book, who did the original research, uh, the only research, really the only research based sales uh, methodology that there has been, you know, has a really empirical research with thousands of of people and uh, when i took over Huthway, we had a large we had a large customer printer manufacturer again global brand doesn't matter who it is uh and one of the reasons we were seeing that we were stuck with them a little bit in in our initiatives is because there was there were issues between sales and marketing that we just kind of uncovered from from conversations so i asked neil who was retired, gone from Hathaway at that time, I said to him, do you want to come with me on a, on a, on a sales call? Uh, and uh, we'll go up to New York. It'd be fun. And we'll go out and see them. And so he agreed to, he agreed to come along. And what we had done is we had persuaded the CEO of this company, the North American CEO of this company to gather the sales leadership and the marketing leadership, the key people in a conference room for, for half a day. And so we walk in, there's about five to six sales people on one side, five to six marketing. So, you know, the, the, the chief revenue officer, whatever, the chief marketing officer, all the way, uh, the, and the different head, department heads. And the first, half, the first half an hour to an hour, I think, was probably the most illuminating for the CEO of that company, because literally it just turned into a food fight. Uh, where pe- where both sides were just throwing things across, not physically, but you know, verbally across the table about your stuff is useless, the stuff you produce, your training, you know, your your product materials, it doesn't, you know, it's too hard to understand our customers, don't you? And the other side were, well, we produce uh, all this stuff, we help you with all, we produce all this stuff in marketing, you don't use it, you don't, you know, you don't follow up and lead. So anyway, just the the usual, probably a conversation that could be replicated in a, a million companies, even today. And so we kind of calmed it all down and got to a process where we started, and, and, it's, and it's so simple, Steve, I mean, and simple doesn't always equate to easy, as we know. 
<laughs> when we started facilitating a conversation between them, as an excuse to everybody calm down a bit. You've got you've got all that off your chest now. So what would be valuable and how can you know what would be valuable from a sales point of view and what what how can marketing assist in this, but also how can marketing maybe take what you think you need and maybe develop and build upon it and use their expertise? So we started this and for the first time these groups were kind of talking together and I could see and we could see that there was a sudden understanding and appreciation of the other side, right? And and it stopped being by the end of but to be honest, by the end of the morning, it stopped being the other side and it started to be, okay, how can we figure this out together? Because the this way isn't working. And and part of that was going back to defining the, the target customer, defining what is what is and um, what do they need, looking at current marketing output and saying, yes, we we this is great. We want more of this, this stuff, maybe not so much, which then marketing once they calm down as well, that's great. If we we don't need to produce what you don't use. So this is great. We can put more effort into other things or focus more on what you do need. And uh, and then, you know, sales agreed to be a feedback mechanism and to come back and to, to feedback on, on, on the efficacy of it and how it was working and all of that kind of good stuff. And the fun thing, as I think I told you off air one time, Steve, the fun thing was Neil Rackham, who'd written this book, he used to always say to me that you can gauge a good sales call by whether the person got enough value out of it that they'd write you a check for the sales call, not for the product, not for the service, but literally for the sales call. And I used to think that's such a neat concept, but there was a part of me that never really believed it. I have to be perfectly honest. So at the end of this meeting, I saw my opportunity and I said to the CEO, I said, just let me ask you one thing. Did we create enough value here this morning that if I invoiced you for this meeting that you would pay the invoice? And he stopped for a second and he just looked around the room. He looked at us and he goes, you know, I would actually. And <laughs> uh, and therefore, I just turned to Neil. I was like, oh, so you are right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think but I think uh, I think, Steve, at the the essence at the, at the at the bottom line to this is a very simple one is the groups need to talk and understand each other. And that's where I think the fundamental problem is why we're. Why are we, as I often say, like, and I just changed the year, is why is it 2023, nearly 2024, and we're still talking about sales and marketing alignment? Because the two groups, generally speaking, do not understand each other and do not communicate properly enough with each other. And, you know, what's interesting is literally just had nothing to do with this recording that we were going to be doing here today. I just came across a stat from Gardner that talked about sales and, and marketing alignment. And when there is true alignment, it triples the opportunity for a revenue outcome, triples the opportunity. So we know we need it, right? And you mentioned a word in there. You said that as this meeting was going on, both sides started to look at each other and appreciate what the others did. Yeah. About three months ago, I had a podcast recording with uh, an ex-principal analyst at Forrester, um, and then her uh, partner, and they would go in and they would they would work as marketing and sales as consultants into these B two B organizations. And they said within an hour, they could tell whether that that organization was going to grow or not. Right. And the whole way they could tell was what you just talked about. 
if each the CRO and the CMO looked at each other and appreciated the role that the other played. Yeah. That's really where that alignment starts, isn't it? Oh, 100%. I mean, it always starts at the top, as we know. But I think the other part, too, is, and I think this is something that I think marketing people really need to, I know they understand, but they need to understand it on a bit of a deeper level, is that when you have, when you're in sales and you have all of your compensation or part of your compensation, which is variable, uh, what you know, how much money you're going to have this month, next month for your family, for whatever is dependent on you closing business. And I don't think sometimes that marketing folks who generally speaking are on fixed salaries, you know, maybe just KPI bonuses or whatever, but, but they're not, you know, they can plan out their year probably a lot better than a salesperson can financially. I don't think they appreciate sometimes the emotion and the stress that that puts on a salesperson or a salesperson feels. Plus, can you imagine if your if your day is often punctuated by no, 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 thank you, no, sorry, oh yeah, I said I was going to go with you, but no, we decided not to. I mean, and if you think of that, if marketing people think about that, can you imagine if everything you produced or all the work you did in a, on a daily basis that seventy percent of the time, or maybe perhaps some days, one hundred percent of the time, your 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 boss or whatever sent that back and said, nope, that's no good, right? You know, you wouldn't feel very good. So I think I think there needs to be a real appreciation of the the emotion that's wrapped up in sales, the stress that's wrapped up in it, the pressure that they're under. Because let's face it, you're what do the what do the CEOs and CFOs care about firstly and foremost? It's like, what's our pipeline? What's our cloud? Where's the revenue coming in? They're not saying to the CMO, oh, let's see your KPIs this month for the marketing group. Yeah, they might do that subsequently. But the first focus is always on sales. And that's why I think marketing people need to have more empathy uh, for salespeople and understand how much emotion is wrapped up in this. Really good point. And it leads to another question that you and I never talked about. <laughs> so this is, you know, CROs, you know, they typically have a quota that's over yeah. their head. CEOs reporting to the board, right? And the board, what do they want to know? Like I said, pipeline. They want yeah. to know about growth, right? And so it's very short-term focused. Yeah. Yet as a CMO, the very definition of our job is to not only obviously be very revenue-focused, pipeline-focused, but we also have to be helping to establish the brand, the expertise, the role of the organization as a trusted advisor Right, wants to be listened to by their market, by their ICP, more than just here's the speeds and deeds or here's the feature benefits, right? We can't be talking at the product marketing level and get into the conversations that we need to fill the pipeline. Yeah. So there's a long-term and short-term perspective that the CMO needs to be responsible for. Yeah. What is your perspective since you're, you're playing the CMO role, right? You've done the CEO role. You've done all these roles. What's your perspective on that balance and what needs to happen, in, especially within that alignment and creating that alignment? Right. Uh, and I think, uh, you, as you said, the content, the content piece is key because content is going to be, continue to be, uh, you know, one of the greatest uh, weapons in, in the arsenal. And I think there are, as you said, I think there is there is content or activities that go towards more 
you know, brand building and awareness. And those things take time, as we know. And it tends to be, it's never one thing. It's always an accumulation of doing many things. And that's kind of the hard, and that's where my sympathies with CMOs is like, that's a hard thing sometimes to be able to show on an ongoing basis uh, mm. that it, because there's so many different moving parts and it kind of coalesce, it kind of comes together, coalesces over time. So it's obviously it's not not uh, as instant as as we would like. You know, a sale is pretty instant where we close the deal. Cool. Say, oh yeah, more people became aware of our brand. You know, you can't really point that out in the same in the same way. So it's a tough one. So I think there's a balance between you know creating the right content and the activities that continue to build your brand and establish you know who you are over a period of time. And then I think there is, as we said, there's more short term content content that. Also supports a brand, but reinforces and, and helps in the sales in the sales process. So sales people should always have the right content at the right time. And I think just uh, another little wrinkle for for CMOs is is now we have so many different ways of delivering content, and people consume content in so many different ways. Like, I mean, yeah, remember going back a few years, it was great. Oh, I stick out a white paper, right? White papers were great, right? Sometimes now, then people said, oh, let's do video, right? And now it's it's everything, you know, it's audio, video, it's shorts, it's like, you know, landscape mode, it's, uh, or rather portrait mode, short reels and stuff like that. There are so many different types of, of ways that you can deliver the content. And that's why I think it becomes a little little bit more difficult. But I think that's why you got to look at your content and say, okay, um, again, you know, somebody in sales and stuff can help you with that is like, how are people consuming content, right? And are they actually, and as you track your content, is it actually being consumed? Do you need to look at it? Do you need to create different types of content? So I, I think you're absolutely correct. I mean, I think you have to split that focus in some ways. You've got to sort of say, this initiative, these these pieces of content, these are more for long-term brand building, for awareness, for, for trust building. These pieces are more for very, very targeted to support maybe somebody at the beginning of the sales cycle. Maybe this is for somebody in the middle, maybe at the decision mode, you need to have something that's built around customer testimonials, uh, things that people have done, like anything like that, like video testimonies, like simple content. And it doesn't have to be complex, right? I mean, some of our strongest content is video testimonials from customers. Some of them are done like this, with the, just with the phone. But the authenticity is a thousand percent. So I think I think that's I think that's the challenge, and I think it's also the challenge that sometimes quick and dirty is okay. And I and sometimes I think marketing people struggle with that because they go, oh no, that that's not going to work. It's too, and you're going, no, no, no. It's actually got beautiful authenticity. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, if there was, because uh, we've covered a lot here, if there was one thing that you wanted to leave the audience with as a takeaway, what would that be? Yeah. And, and I, I was thinking about this and, and I think, and I'm, I'm just been just as guilty this and, and still am as anybody else. And I just think it's, it's questioning your assumptions all the time because it's like that thing, that saying that's uh, attributed to Mark Twain. I'm not sure he ever really said it, but it's attributed to him. And that's, it ain't what you don't know that gets you. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. Uh -huh. I think, and that for me, and for me personally, I think, and for our company, we say this all the time about you question your assumptions because we're fantastic at assuming things. And it may be, and we may be assuming it based on some experiences, whatever, 
but we can become very certain in our assumptions and we go, I don't need to validate that. I don't need to recheck that. I know that's true. And that's the thing that's going to get you in the end is the things that you know for sure that just ain't so. So my, my, the takeaway is question your assumptions. And that's why as, as, as CMOs is like, don't assume that the things you're doing are, are working for the other, you know, your, your sales customer as well as your other customer is go and challenge those assumptions, go and find out. Uh, don't assume that something is going to work because it worked before. Go again, see, is this, you know, have things changed? And don't assume things about sales, just as sales don't assume things about marketing or don't assume things about your customer. Because let's face it, when you're in a sales situation, what gets you into trouble? Why does something go down a sales, you know, can go down a sales process and then fall out at the end? When you normally do forensics on it, you will find, aha, you made some assumptions at the beginning. Right. You didn't check this. You assumed this, or you heard that you assumed you heard this, and you got you added two and two together, and you got five. So I would say, question always question your assumptions, and probably the stronger you feel about something that you are a thousand percent right about something, that's probably the thing to challenge most. That means that means we have some extra work to do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have to say this because one of my famous, most famous quotes that I love is a Mark Twain quote. And he said, I didn't have time to write you a short letter. So I wrote you a long one instead. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I think anybody in marketing will, will understand that. It's like when somebody goes like, oh, give me a tagline. And you're going, do you realize how difficult that is? <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe a couple right. of words and you go, no, no, right. no. It's much easier to deliver you 2,000 words than it is to deliver you three. Absolutely. We run into that as marketers all the time. Like, look at this deck or look at this huge point of view or something, right? And, and like oh. I said, just the, the thing about, I think that's the thing that uh, sales need to understand about marketing is that, as I said earlier, is that simple doesn't equate to easy. So when you see something that's produced and it's nice and it's simple and it's very to the point and all of that, it's very easy to assume, well, that was, well, that was easy to produce. Why can't they produce this stuff all the time? And you say, well, no, actually that took quite a lot of effort to get it to like, to be like this. Right. And I didn't have to have help from chat GBT to do yeah, it. Yeah. And I didn't have to help. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's a whole other discussion, isn't it? <laughs> right. Well, Hey John, if, um, if somebody had a follow-up question and they wanted to get a hold of you. Um, would it be best to provide a link to your profile on LinkedIn? Yeah, yeah, please do. Please do. Um, reach out to me on LinkedIn or just reach out to me directly at, at Pipeliner, you know, John Duckolden at PipelinerSales.com. I'm always happy to hear from people. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing. It's been not only very entertaining, but uh, really insightful. And I think one of the biggest expectations that we need to, to change or the, the perception that we need to change is that all of our assumptions aren't always right. I love what you, what you said as a takeaway at the end. Thank you. Absolutely. You're welcome. Thank you, Steve. And uh, again, good luck to everybody out there and, uh, you know, uh, go talk to your salespeople.